grab your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. We're going to talk a little bit today about part of the Christmas story, something that's probably familiar to most of us. Um, and if it's not familiar, I'm glad you're here. If it is familiar, I'm glad you're here also. Maybe the Lord will speak to, to both of us this, this morning. I want to remind you of some words from 1 Peter chapter 3 that we have studied recently together. It says, Finally, all of you have unity in mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. So we've been in a series uh, for about four weeks now talking about uh, walking in the in the, the way of blessing in a sense and not the way of, of evil or the way of the curse or the way of the flesh. And so we want to, to walk blessing others and not cursing others. And so this morning we're going to talk about the Christmas story, part of the Christmas story, about um, some men that we call wise. And I know for some of you ladies that's hard to imagine that there are any wise men in the world, uh, but there were at one time. And I don't know what's happened since, um, but uh, we're going to study them and, and think about uh, the sin of pride that uh, so many of us deal with, not me, but uh, so many of you deal with pride. I don't deal with pride at all. In fact, I'm a, I'm a pretty humble person when it comes down to it, really. We talk, we've talked about competition, the sin of competition. We've talked about jealousy and envy. And we've talked about last week, we talked about the sin of comparison. And when you grab those three things and you wrap them up into a, a nice little uh, package, nice little gift wrap package, it all wraps up into pride. And so that's why we're going to talk about that this morning. And hopefully you will be uh, challenged. Hopefully you'll be encouraged. Hopefully you'll be convicted. And we'll all leave here humbled and on the path to um, humility instead of the, the path to destruction, which pride leads us leads us to. So I'm going to pray for us again, and then we'll study Matthew chapter 2 together. Lord Jesus, again, as was just prayed, God, we recognize that only you are worthy. God, that you have brought redemption for us. You have done and completed the work for us. And so, God, we just speak to us this morning, not so that we can uh, boast in how well we listen or take notes or how well we respond to you, but instead, God, that we might boast in who you are and what you've done for us, what you're going to do for us. God, we might boast all in you. So speak to us this morning for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You have a little handout there that I hope will help you kind of keep track of where we are, but we want to uh, continue talking again about um, not walking in the flesh or according to the flesh. Uh, this morning, particularly with pride, we, we, we want to walk as people saved, as people who, who have been purchased by Jesus um, and so blessed because of that, I mean, because only because of that. And so we want to walk in that, uh, giving a gift of praise or blessing to others, uh, particularly Christ, and living in that instead of walking in walking in sin. And so, um, so as we talk about pride this morning, I know for some of us um, it is a serious topic. I know how difficult it is, and humility is not really a fun thing to talk about, and it's hard to, ha it's hard to give um, steps to humility. Like, these are the steps to humility. Here's how you can become a humble person. Um, really, the easiest step to humility is pride. Proverbs 16 tells us that when we are proud people, we can only assume that at some point in the near future, we will br be brought to our knees. Pride goes before destruction. And so if you want to be humbled, 
not on your own, but you want to be humbled by the Lord, then just continue living in pride. But if you have a desire to be obedient to Christ, uh, seek this morning specifically and be willing and ready to humble yourself before, before the Lord. Matthew chapter 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, or magi from the east, men who had position and authority and power, recognition. People saw who they were, a great caravan following them. It wasn't just three guys. It was a lot more than this. It was their whole party who, who came to um, seek uh, Jesus, the Savior. And so they come to uh, they come to Jerusalem, saying, "Where is he who has been who has been born King of the Jews? Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him." So then, guided, you know the song, you know the story. They are being guided by a guiding light, a star that's leading them to worship the newborn King of the Jews, and they're asking. When they're asking this, word gets to Herod. And when Herod, verse 3 says, the king heard this, he was troubled. Why was he troubled? Why was he troubled that these people have traveled to come and worship someone? Mostly because they didn't come to worship him. See, Herod was in a place where he felt he deserved worship. He deserved gifts. He deserved attention. He had the title of king. He had the position of king. He had the assumed power of king. And so who is deserving of that? And so your first fill in the blank says, pride says, I deserve more. I deserve more. Pride always says this. Think about your own life. How often we um, fall into this trap of pride that leads us down this path. This path um, that will eventually lead to destruction. But this path of I deserve, I deserve more. And it's unfortunate that we allow pride to lead us in this. And we should be uh, challenged this morning to say, um, do you and do I, do we truly deserve more than we are already Receiving is, I know we've said it many times, and I'm hoping someday, soon, with unity as the church, we will say, Jesus is enough. I don't deserve Jesus, yet he has gave himself to me, and he is enough. I don't deserve anything. I don't deserve more than Jesus because he's, he's enough. He's given me himself, and so that is enough. Herod, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him, assembling the, of the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them, where is the Christ to be born? So he needed to gain more knowledge. Though he had all knowledge already, he's in a, a position of, uh, of authority, of a position that he should already know. There was a, a thing that was left out. He didn't know about the Christ. He didn't know about the coming Savior. He didn't know about the king that will reign over the entire world, over the entire universe. He was unaware of this, and so he began asking folks around him, others that might have wisdom, hey, tell me about this, tell me about the prophecy about this Jesus, about this Christ. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, this is where the Christ is to be born. Notice, verse 6, the prophecy, talking about a humble little place, a place that a king shouldn't come from, a humble 
little place. Not a proud place to be boasting over, but Bethlehem, a little house of bread, a little place, a humble place. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. A place of humility this king will rise out of. Again, not a place to boast about. It's not like, hey, hey, guess what? Uh, this Christ is going to be born in a city that everyone knows, like New York or Dubai or Hobbs or whatever the case may be, a city of prosperity or whatever, you know, a city of fame like Lovington is growing to be, but instead this place of, of meekness, this place of humility, this place of humbleness that our Savior is coming from. Pride, again, like Herod here, says, I deserve more. When you're you're proud and you're walking on the path of pride, you always think you should deserve more. A better city, a better town, more recognition, more power, more knowledge, more understanding, more titles, more authority, whatever the case may be. Herod thought he had all that and prophecies declaring he doesn't. But there is one who has all that, and he's the one that should be, he's the one that should be worshipped. We all long for that. I know maybe you're not saying it, but we have a longing for people to worship us, for people to recognize how great we are. And we feel like, because of pride, we feel like we deserve this. Give me the worship that I'm due. Give me the power that, that belongs to me. I try this with my kids all the time. I try it with my wife all the time. Some of you heard it just a moment ago. My wife said that she had a great weekend. Someone asked her, why didn't you have a great weekend? And she began to answer, and I stopped her and said, no, you had a great weekend because you have a great husband. That's always the answer. Pride always leads us in this direction. Think about Herod here. When he summoned these people to tell him things, to... To tell him the prophecy, what happens in verse 7? Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. So he just received prophecy of a king to come and save, a king to come and lead, a king to come and shepherd the folks, shepherd Israel. So he hears this report, but he doesn't see it as good news. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may worship him. We know the rest of the story. That's not how it happens. See, pride will not listen to good news. You can write that in the blank there, second line. Pride will not listen to good news unless... You're the one sharing it. If Herod was the one that had known this, and he was the one proclaiming it, he would have listened to himself. He would have heard these words and said, well, I'm saying them, so obviously they're, they're good. Pride leads us not to listen to good news. In the grand scheme of things, the ultimate scheme of things, pride leads us not to listen to the greatest news. Pharaoh, both Pharaoh and Judas, have this in common. They saw the work of the Lord. They saw his redeeming hand. They saw his actions. They saw, Judas saw Christ at work. And yet pride got in the way. 
and he did not hear or see the good news of Jesus. Pride will not listen to good news unless you're the one sharing it. And I hope that convicts some of us. It convicts me when I think about it, how oftentimes I hear somebody sharing something that's, that's good, and I tend to tune out because I'm not the one saying it. You are. And in my proudness, my pride, I think I should be the one. Hang on. Text me that story, then let me read it. I want to be the one proclaiming this good news. And maybe if I'm proclaiming it, then I'll think it's good too. But I, I might twist it up a little bit and add myself to it because I, because I want to celebrate. I want to accept this good news, but it's not coming, it's not coming for me. And I know how this plays into, plays into our life, accepting Accepting the good news. Pride helps us when we're not listening to the good news. It also leads us not to receive this good news. Thinking maybe it's not that great. Maybe I shouldn't receive this. And the good news of Jesus, sometimes the reason why we don't receive it is because we don't think that we need it. It's like a gift. When someone has given you a gift... And you, you want to say thank you, but you open it up and you see the gift and you say, well, if I accept this gift, I'm, I'm saying that I, I needed this. So I'm having a hard time receiving the gift because I don't know that I actually want to humble myself enough to say that I need it. Pride leads you to believe that you'll work hard enough to earn what you want as a reward or as a gift. I'll work hard enough to receive the gift. I'll do enough to receive the reward. I'll do enough. This is pride. Trusting in yourself instead of, instead of the good news of Jesus. Let's go on here. Read some more of, of Matthew chapter 2. After listening to the king... They went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose from uh, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. They fell down and worshipped him. A sign of humility. They fell down and worshipped him. When you're humbled... Proverbs 16, 18 says this, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. When you're humbled, when, when the Lord brings humility to you, you're, pr- you're proud and you're on the path uh, of, of proudness, of pride, eventually you'll get to a point where you will be humbled. This is a promise. This is wisdom from God saying, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You will fall to your face. You will fall to your knees. And it's interesting how Matthew records this scene, the scene of the, of the wise man falling before Jesus to worship him. And going to the house, they saw the child with his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. The phrase fell down and the phrase worshipped him are really the same thing. The phrase fell down Pepto, like Pepto-Bismol, means to fall down. And the word worshipped him, proskuneo, means to fall down 
kiss the ground of the one more superior than you. So Matthew is saying twice, these wise men fell down and fell down and worshipped. They fell down and they fell down and worshipped to the one more superior than him. Pride doesn't lead us to that. Sinful pride doesn't lead us to that. None of us want to be put into a submission hold where we have to tap out and say, okay, I, I give up. None of us want to be Jacob and have a hip pointer saying, ah, I can't do anything else. None of us want to be put in a headlock and caused to almost pass out. None of us want to be like Paul on the road to Damascus and or Paul when he's, when he's blinded. We don't, we don't want that. We're not longing for that. We'd much rather the Lord work, us see his presence and his glory, and us say, God, in obedience, we recognize how glorious and marvelous you are, and we want to fall down to our knees and then fall down and kiss the ground and worship you because you are more superior than me. That's humility. Pride doesn't lead you to that. Pride doesn't lead you to worship Jesus. Pride leads you to stand up and be skeptical and cross your arms and say, is he really worthy? Is Jesus really worthy of this? I mean, maybe I'll fall down because he's a baby and I'll come down to his level. But am I going to kiss the ground and show that he's more superior than I am? We have to deal with that. We have to to decide for ourselves in a sense, is Christ worthy? Is Christ worthy of that? If we allow pride, then we're going to continue to work saying we're going to earn what we deserve or get the... um, uh, the, the, receive the gift that we, we deserve. See, pride leads to building up walls that only Christ can tear down. That's your next blank there. Pride builds up walls that only Christ can tear down. Interesting, and Brian pointed this out, but interesting how you have two scenarios here. Uh, Herod, who has position and power and authority and fame and the title, and how he responds to the Christ being born versus these magi who have also power and authority and fame and all these things, and yet two different, two different scenarios played out. We're asking Christ that you would tear down the walls that pride has built between us, that you might destroy those things like the temple curtain that was torn in two, you might tear our pride in two, that we might be humbled enough to worship you and you alone. And going to the house, they saw the child with his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another by another way. I want to talk just for a moment. I'm going to grab another drink here. Talk just for a moment about these gifts uh, that the wise men or the magi left for Jesus. Have you ever thought much about, I know we, we have songs about frankincense and myrrh and the other thing. What was the other one? Gold. I know we've, we have songs about this and, and we, we like to kind of um, you know, dramatize these gifts that the, these magi brought. But have you ever thought about, it's, a, it's an infant baby, right? You've been to a baby shower. Who's responsible for the gifts? I mean, when everybody leaves the shower and the baby's there and there's your gifts, okay, baby Jesus, all-powerful, all-knowing, 
do something miraculous with these gifts and take them to our little cottage. We're not carrying them for you on the donkey because they're your gifts. No, the parents are responsible for, for these gifts. So, so what did they do with those gifts? Have you ever thought much about that? No, because you probably haven't thought a lot about it because it doesn't really make, what does it matter? What does it matter? They brought the gifts, we sing the song, and we celebrate Jesus, and then we take that and say, hey, let's do the same thing. Let's go and give gifts like the wise men. Let's give three gifts, and we, we make it like gold and frankincense and myrrh because our kids smell, and so let's give them some myrrh and some frankincense, and daddy needs the gold, or whatever the case may be. We, we do all these things, right? And so we try to model that. But, but what happens? what happened to... What happened to the gifts? Well, it's purely speculation, but because they're humans, I, I would assume similar to what we do with the gifts that we receive. Some of you will receive some gifts soon that you'll look at it and say, thank you. And then you'll go and sell it and purchase what you wanted. <laughs> or you'll go and return it. You'll stand in the return line at Walmart and say, I think they bought it here, but can you just give me a gift card to Walmart and I will purchase what I want? So did Mary and Joseph do this? Did they take these gifts and go and trade them in for something else? Did they put the gifts on display simply to collect dust and wait for another time to use them? You, you know what I'm talking about, right? Several years ago, my grandmother, my dad's mom, uh, bought for him for Christmas uh, this little uh, ornate... I don't even know how to describe it. It was, it was a, it was a, it was three dolphins, kind of statue thing coming out of the water. And uh, we jokingly said, "What was the purpose or purpose behind this, Nanny? Like, wh- why did you give this gift?" And she said, "I just bought it, thinking it was cool and that he might enjoy that." Well, my dad has no, like, he doesn't collect dolphin trophies. I don't even know statues. He doesn't. So that gift then became. Uh, on the shelf, and then it became the gift that kept on giving, being re-gifted every year. And I wonder, did Mary and Joseph do that too? Like Joseph the next year, Christmas one year later. Oh man, I forgot a gift. Ooh, good thing. I still have that frankincense. I'll give that to Mary and Jesus this year. Did, did they do something like that? Did they simply just leave the gifts behind? You know, that was good for that time and place. But, um, but I don't know that it makes sense for us to carry it on to Egypt and then back to, to Nazareth. So we're just going to leave it, leave it behind. Or again, like I just said, did they just re-gift it? You know what? We can't use this. And so we'll wrap it up and give it to somebody, somebody else. Pride plays into this path. How you receive gifts and what you what you do with them. Pride, the path of pride, leads us to question, leads us to think through what will we do with these gifts. Think about it in a more spiritual sense. Think about the gift of grace from Jesus that he has given to us. Romans 5, Paul talks about this free gift that we have is not like the old gift. It's so much better. And if it's so much better, what are we doing with this gift of grace? Are we going to put it on the shelf and say, let it collect dust, and at some point I'll take it off the shelf and use it? For a time and place it was good, but right now I don't really need this. 
Do we just say, you know what? I don't think you meant to give that to me. I'm not worthy of receiving that. I'm not deserving of that. So why don't you just take that and give it to, to, someone, to someone else? All those statements are statements of pride. Christ of all people, of all gods, didn't need gold, frankincense, or myrrh. didn't need that. Yet in a sense he received it as worship of him. He received it as worship of him. And we as followers of Jesus or people who desire to follow Jesus, when we think about the grace, the gift Christ is giving to us, it's not so that we can say, wow, I'm deserving of the gift of grace and worship ourselves. Instead, we see he is the giver of good gifts and he alone needs to be needs to be worshipped. This gift of grace that shouldn't be sitting on a shelf or stuck back in a closet somewhere or just simply being put on display. When Christ gives the gift of grace, it's to give life every day, to sustain your life. And only in humility can you recognize that. Only in humility could you say to yourself, Self, as I preach the gospel to you, you are in desperate need of Jesus and his grace. It is the only thing that will be sufficient in this world. And so as Christ is giving you today the gift of grace, do not store it away. Do not just go put it on display for you to look at and collect dust upon. But instead, use the gift of grace so that you may worship Christ and Christ alone. Falling before him in worship is a better gift to give than gold, frankincense, and myrrh because it's showing signs that Christ is superior above all, above all else. Above all else. Okay, moving on. Last three things here. Two things. Pride disorients. Pride disorients. We lose direction when pride takes over. I'm trying to do a little play on words here because sometimes you may read it that the wise men came from Orient afar, from a far off place. Pride disorients takes those who were going in one direction and sends them in another direction. Pride causes us to lose direction. Herod obviously had lost direction. Life had become about him, about his fame, about his power, about his control. Pride disoriented him into thinking life was about him himself, and he was in desperate need of recentering. Humility helps in this. Humility helps us to recenter our lives to true north. Familiar with true north? Not just magnetic north, but true north. If you have an iPhone. Uh, you could go to your Compass app here. I don't know if you can see this or not, but on your Compass app, and it'll point towards magnetic north. Unless you go to setting, to your settings and change it to point towards true north. Well, what's the difference? Well, if we're on our way to the North Pole, the actual North Pole, 
the one that's centered on the axis. And let's just say we were going there to meet somebody famous at the North Pole during this time of the year. I don't know who that would be or if he's even real. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, so we're going to go to the North Pole. And let's say we're on this adventure. We're going to hike this way. And if we're using our compass that is set to magnetic north, we're going to continue walking on this journey, and we're going to get to the magnetic north pole, but it is not the true north pole. And we'll walk right on by the actual north pole. There's a degree of separation between magnetic north and true north. And so we have to put into place something that um, some of you are a lot smarter than I am. We have to put in place something called magnetic declination, which puts into to, to play uh, the difference of degrees that magnetic north is and true north is. So here in Lovington, we are about six degrees off. Six degrees separated from true north. And so you would just walk right on by the North Pole and not see anything that you were expecting to see at the North Pole because of if you were going by the magnetic pole. All that to say, it's just six degrees, right? Just six degrees off center. It is right. It's just six degrees. It's not a large dis distance, but it's still off center. And following magnetic north, you will not get to the true north pole. If these magi, who were being led by an absolute navigational system in the star that led them perfectly to the place where the Savior was born, if they stopped listening to the word of the Lord and stopped being led by the Lord, word of the Lord, if they stopped doing those things, their direction in life would be completely off. They received this dream. Proud men would say, you're warning us, but is this true? We know the way. They'll sing songs about us. We are wise men. We know which way to go. Those are the things that pride says. Pride disorients. Humility, humbled lives, recents of their lives often upon Jesus. He is our true north. He is our guiding light. He is leading us in the way everlasting, the way that brings him all recognition, all fame. He has all authority all power, and so only he should be worshipped. And when we're one degree, or six degrees, or 13 degrees, or whatever, however many you want to come up with, degrees off, well, we're headed somewhat in the right direction. That's pride speaking. That's pride saying, I will earn the reward that I want to earn. It's pride saying, Jesus is not enough. It's pride saying, I can figure this out on my own. It's pride leading you into your control issues. The last blank there. Pride has control issues. Verse 13, now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take up the child and mother, flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Herod had control issues. 
And he rose and he took the child and mother by night and departed to Egypt. What are they being led by? The word of the Lord, centered upon true north in a sense. And he remained there until the death of Herod. The death of Herod. We can only assume it's an eternal death. We can only assume that Herod never truly worshipped Christ. Never submitted his life. Never said, Christ, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. Instead, when Herod died, he didn't rise from the grave. There's no Paul Harvey rest of the story. Yet Herod gave his life to Jesus and is now living an eternal life with the Father. No, Herod died. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt I called my son. Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise man, became furious. Why? Because his power, his name, his fame, his control were all questioned. He was at a moment where he realized he was not ultimate. He was not ultimate. And so he began to fight against it. And I think this morning you're going to have to do the same thing. You're going to have to fight against your power issues, your control issues, your doubting issues. You have to fight against you have to fight against pride. And humility is the only answer to humble yourself before our King, our King Jesus, to humble ourselves to the one who truly is the center of everything. Paul says in Colossians 1 that he holds all things together. So we humble ourselves before him. The path leading away from pride is a humble highway that we run on daily, saying, in humility, I worship you and you alone. The only reason I know that humility is the remedy for being proud or fighting against pride is because first, or Philippians chapter 2 gives us the example of Christ doing this. Humbling himself, humbling himself to a lowly state that God might be honored. And so this time of year, you want to be a true blessing? Want to be a true blessing? Humble yourself. Don't allow pride to rise up and mislead you or disorient your life, but instead, humble yourself. Recenter on the good news of the gospel, the good news of Christ. You cannot earn. You'll always be six degrees off. You cannot earn. You do not deserve. Yet Christ has paid it all. Recentering where sin has taken things off course bringing back, reconciling the world to himself through the life he lived, through the death that he died, through the resurrection that, that he came alive through so that we might have life and life eternal. Pride will tell you to question that. Humility will lead you to worship Jesus and Jesus alone. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, so difficult because we really like ourselves and we want to be the one that's receiving things of this world though we know we're not deserving so help us through discipline, through conviction 
through your word, through your Holy Spirit, to worship you and you alone. God, let us not be proud. Let us not walk in proudness or pride. Let us be humbled like our King so that you might receive all the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.